0: Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20% carShield.com slash Shapiro. That's CarShield.com slash Shapiro. Just in time for Christmas, we have
1: got the feel-good story of the year. Oberlin College has finally forked over $36 million to Gibson's Bakery, a local shop that the college tried to destroy. With a baseless charge of racism back in 2016. A lot of people don't remember this. I actually wrote about it in my book, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. Six years ago, there we go. Six years ago, a black Oberlin College undergrad named Jonathan Aladdin tried to pass a fake ID at Gibson's to buy a bottle of wine. Alan Gibson, who's a son and grandson of the owners, rejected the fake ID and noticed that the student had hidden two other bottles in his coat, at which point Gibson said he was calling the cops, and he raised his phone to take a picture of the would-be thief. The student then smacked Gibson's phone away, smacked the guy in the face, and assaulted the store owner, David Gibson. When Gibson chased the student out of the store, a couple other students joined in. By the time the cops got there, all three students had Gibson on the ground and were punching and kicking him. This seems like an open and shut case, right? You throw the criminal kids in prison, and you make them apologize to the store owner that they tried to rob. But we're not talking about a normal community. We're talking about Oberlin College. And we're talking about a case of a white shop owner and black thieves, which meant that the students had to be in the right, and the shop owner had to be in the wrong. Facts be damned. The shop had to be destroyed. What followed was a college-led boycott and smear campaign against Gibsons. The assistant dean of students texted the dean of students and vice president of the school, quote, I hope we rain fire and brimstone on that store, which they did. But what the school was not counting on was that Gibson's Bakery would fight back. Alan Gibson was 89 years old. He had dedicated his life to the business He knew that he was not going to live for very long after that. 89 is pretty old. And he did, in fact, die before the litigation was completed, before the college paid up. But Gibson refused to lay down and die being falsely branded a racist. Gibson took Oberlin to court. Gibson won. So Oberlin appealed. The Ninth Circuit rejected the appeal. Oberlin tried to take it up to the Supreme Court of Ohio. In a 4-3 decision, so very, very close, elections matter, the Supreme Court refused to take up the case. Finally, in September of this year, Oberlin agreed to pay up what it owed. And just last week, it finally paid to the tune of $36.5 million. Absolutely beautiful. I hope Alan Gibson is looking down from heaven and smiling. And I hope Conservatives are looking up right now and taking notes. The woke monsters who want to ruin our lives will not give up until we hit them where it hurts. And that means conservatives need to get a lot more comfortable suing defamers like this into oblivion. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Old Schooled. It's been a while since we've had Old Schooled as a top comment. It says Trump's huge announcement is cringe as all get out, but it has upset the left for that reason and that reason alone. I like it. He lives rent free in their sheep heads. <laughs> a pretty blunt way to put it, but it's true, and it does sum up a lot of the way that I still feel about Trump. He he does things. He's always done things where I think, I really don't agree with that. I think that's a bad move. The first step act, I think that's a bad move. Hiring this guy, hiring that lady, ah, that's a bad move. This, the, but the libs hate his guts. And so that is a good indicator that he's doing something right. Okay, it's true. It's true. That's, and when I try to form my opinion about these things, I don't just try to look at the politics. I don't even just try to look at the cultural context. I try to look at the, the most important context which is the religious context. Okay, As Cardinal Manning put it, uh, all human conflict ultimately is theological. It's why you got to know your Bible. It's why you've got to check out Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz. Right now, head on over to ascensionpress.com slash Knowles. If you are someone who has always wanted to read and understand the Bible, but you're not sure where to start, then you got to check out the Bible in a Year podcast from Ascension. The Bible in a Year podcast is currently the most popular religion podcast in the United States. A lot of people ask me, Michael, you're a podcaster. You have a popular show. What podcasts do you listen to? The only podcast that I reliably listen to is Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz. I absolutely adore it. It's hit the number one spot in Apple. It's a really bite-sized commentary you know, only about 20 minutes or so per episode. They go through the whole Bible and you get great commentary with Father Mike Schmitz. Father Mike Schmitz was one of the first guests on this show years ago when it started. Go check it out right now. You can follow along Uh, In your Ascension Press Bible, you can listen in your car, which is what I do. If you want to start reading and, more importantly, understanding the Bible this year, go to ascensionpress.com slash Knowles to download the reading plan for free. That is ascensionpress.com slash Knowles to download the reading plan for free. There's some more good news for conservatives here in the culture. So really great news with the Gibson's Bakery story. And I know people haven't tracked the story all that closely. Even though when I first saw it, it really, it left such an impression on me. I featured it in my book because I thought it was just such a, a perfect encapsulation of how politically correct culture and how the manipulation of language can just completely warp people's perceptions of reality. But but we won. I say we, I'm, I'm referring to we as Gibson's Bakery. I'm referring to we as those of us who resist the woke mob. I'm referring to we as those of us who who don't want to just have people's lives destroyed with baseless charges of racism. You utter the magic phrase racism or sexism or whatever, and then you can just destroy a man's life. It's like saying abracadabra, okay? And we've got to stand against that. So that's a big win, I think, for conservatives. We just got another big win. Pornhub has been banned from YouTube. Now, I didn't know Pornhub was on YouTube. I assumed Pornhub just has porn everywhere and YouTube does not allow porn. But I guess Pornhub had a YouTube channel where it was relatively within the limits allowed by YouTube, even though it was kind of saucy. And obviously, the point was just to direct people over to the Pornhub website. YouTube says, no more. They banned the account, which had almost a million followers after repeated violations. This comes after Meta slash Instagram. Meta is what owns Facebook. Banned Pornhub. This after TikTok. Banned Pornhub. This after Visa, MasterCard, Roku, Comcast, Unilever, Kraft Heinz. Kraft Heinz? I don't know. What? Pornhub can't get ketchup anymore? I guess not. And PayPal also have cut ties with Pornhub. Great, great news. According to YouTube spokesman Jack Melon, Upon review, we terminated the channel following multiple violations of our community guidelines. We enforce our policies equally for everyone. And channels that repeatedly violate or are dedicated to violative content are terminated. So you can tell YouTube's trying to say, there there was no targeting of Pornhub in particular. They, we just treat everyone exactly the same. We all know that isn't true. We all know big tech plays favorites. We, we know that for years, they've targeted conservatives on all of these platforms. But okay, here, they're targeting the libs. They're targeting Pornhub. That's a very good thing. I I wish we lived in a culture where these the YouTube spokesman could be honest and say, no, you know, we finally realized that this company which is trafficking in misery and everyone from the the abused girlfriends and human trafficking victims who are put in their videos all the way up to the professionals who have an agent who go to big fancy sets in the valley and shoot porn all of these people have been abused okay all of these people are being exploited to to excite the lusts of men and th- plunge our culture into degradation. And we're not going to do it anymore. And yes, we are targeting them. And it's a damn right thing that we're targeting them. I wish we could live in that culture. We're not quite there yet. So you get this mealy mouth, well, you know, actually, we're just applying the rules fairly. And okay, whatever, fine. Get rid of Pornhub. Just get rid of it. Just nuke it. Pornhub has no right to exist. Pornhub is bad for everybody, bad for the performers, bad for the consumers, bad for the, the, the flourishing of Civilized society, just nuke it, okay? And I know I can already hear in the distance the rumblings of the kind of libertarian. It's, I don't even. I hate to even call it libertarian. The, the sort of very shallow, licentious argument where people say, "Well, you know, if we ban Pornhub, next thing you know." people are going to be banning the Bible. First of all, they already banned the Bible. You're not allowed to teach the Bible in schools, all right? And you are actually allowed to teach pornography in schools now. So amazing how the culture is flipped. But no, if you, we can tell the difference between porn and the Bible, okay? We can tell the difference. between. Uh, as Justice Potter Stewart famously observed, and he was right, even though he gets mocked for it, when it comes to obscenity and pornography, you actually can know it when you see it. And we should be able to say, yeah, we know what this stuff is. We can tell the difference between art and porn, and we're going to ban the porn. Now, unfortunately, despite this big win, the establishment is still working hard to defend the worst aspects of the sexual revolution. You saw this just in the last week when the FBI arrested two more pro-life advocates. This, this has been happening for a while now it hasn't made the news all that much. One, because the establishment media suppresses the story, but also because it it just happens so regularly that it doesn't end up being news. Oh, yep, the FBI went in and targeted more pro-lifers. Pro-lifers go in with hidden cameras. This was years ago. They go in with hidden cameras. My friend David Delight in the Center for Medical Progress. They expose Planned Parenthood, of breaking the law, selling baby body parts to the highest bidder. And what happens? The powers that be prosecute the investigative journalists who expose the story. They don't go after Planned Parenthood. They, they go after the pro-lifers. What happens when in Washington, D.C., you've got pro-life advocates discover horrible abuses at abortion mills, babies being killed after birth, and, and late-term abortions, and all the rest of it. They uncover this. They have, they have evidence of it in the baby's bodies. What happens? The powers that be they go after the pro-lifers. And so now we've got two more pro-lifers arrested for violating the FACE law. The FACE law is the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. They, They apparently violated the FACE law up in New York by unlawfully blocking access to abortion mills in multiple states over the years. Now, the question that I have is, one, I hope these guys have good lawyers. I hope that they have access to to legal resources from the pro-life movement, which is pretty well funded because people like you listening to the show right now support it because we realize what a moral atrocity abortion is. My question is this. Why don't I hear any Republican lawmakers pushing to overturn the absurd and evil face law? Why is it that the pro-lifers keep getting plucked off because of this ridiculous federal law saying that people have a right to access abortion mills, this law passed during the Clinton administration? And I don't hear Republican lawmakers overturning that law so that the feds have a tougher time going after the pro-lifers. Where are the Republican lawmakers on this issue? We we need Republicans to be stronger. When you want to be stronger, you got to check out Echelon Fitness. Right now, text Knowles to 818181. I have been working too hard this year and not working out enough. I want to get in shape. I don't have time to get to the gym. That's why Echelon Fitness brings the gym to my home. Echelon Fitness is the affordable way to get workout equipment, a workout community, and an instructor's motivation right in the comfort and privacy of your own home. Echelon Fitness's connected app provides thousands of live and on-demand classes with great music, to keep you moving. You can work out anytime, day or night. Their full range of affordable workout equipment includes stationary bikes, smart rowers, sleek fitness screens, and an auto-folding treadmill. These are all connected to the Echelon Fitness app. Round-the-clock classes, including full-body workout programs, will keep you coming back. One membership covers a family of five. Sweet little Elisa and I absolutely adore Echelon. For a limited time, our audience can get a free bike, or rowing machine with a 24 month membership. This is a crazy deal. I have the bike, it's very very high quality. To get your free bike or rower, text Knowles Canada LES to 818181. That is Knowles to 818181 to claim your free bike or rowing machine. Text Knowles to 818181. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. We got to get rid of this face law. This is what the feds use as an excuse to go after the pro lifers. And The feds will still try to go after the pro-lifers. Even if you got rid of the law, it would just be much harder to do it. Don't give our political opponents the pretext to prosecute us. What does the face law do? It was passed in 1994, signed by Clinton. It prohibits the use of physical force, threat of physical force, or physical obstruction to intentionally injure, intimidate, interfere with, or attempt to injure, intimidate, or interfere with any person who's obtaining an abortion. That's number one. Two, It prohibits the use of physical force, threat of physical force, or physical obstruction to intentionally injure, intimidate, interfere with, or attempt to injure, intimidate, or interfere with any person who is exercising or trying to exercise their First Amendment right of religious freedom at a place of religious worship. And three, it prohibits the intentional damage or destruction of a reproductive health care facility or a place of worship. First of all, it's, it's amazing how honest that law is equating abortion mills with churches. It's not honest in the sense that the two are not equivalent. They're quite the opposite. But the law is honest in that they recognize, okay, conservatives have churches and synagogues and and mosques, I guess. Liberals have abortion mills. When conservatives want to worship, they, they go and they get on their knees and they pray to God. When liberals want to worship their deity, they murder babies. What God are they worshiping? Which? which god, god or gods? Which Is it Baal? Is it Moloch? Is it the devil himself who they're worshiping by sacrificing babies? Because we've seen that as a recurrent theme throughout all of human history. So amazing honesty there. And when you see that, you realize, okay, well, that can't be permitted. Now, you might look at the law and say, okay, well, I don't think people should be able to use physical force or, you know, even to stop an evil such as abortion, I don't think that pro-lifers should be able to go there with baseball bats and start clubbing the, the, the crazy pro-life activists. Yeah, right, of course not. We're not saying that we should have vigilantism or anything like that. But let, you see how broad this law is. Anyone who in any way interferes with or physically, what does that mean? You could have a little old nun praying the rosary outside of the abortion mill and, and someone could claim, as reasonably as they claim with any of these cases, well, she's obstructing access. She's got to go three blocks away. It's just absurd. Just repeal the whole law. It's an evil law passed by a terrible president. And uh, the conservatives need to, to do it. We, we've already won on Roe v. Wade, okay? We overruled Roe v. Wade. Dobbs did it. That's great stuff. Now, in a post-Dobbs future, what is the pro-life movement going to do? repeal this stupid law. Speaking of babies, Nick Cannon, one of the most fertile, I guess you wouldn't call him fertile. You'd call, call him prolific, maybe. You'd call him very active and busy uh, celebrities out there. He's got something like 10 kids with almost as many babies mama. Is it baby mamas or baby's mama? Is it like a, attorneys general? I don't know. I'm not totally familiar with that culture. Anyway, Nick Cannon is discussing how complicated it is to go buy Christmas presents.
2: It's almost the holidays. And thanks to me, the world now has 8 billion people. But my job's not done. It's time to do some online Christmas shopping. And based off the baby mama to kid ratio, we got a whole hell of a lot of gifts to buy. Let's go! And to start it off, my adorable and jovial offspring gave me a list. Daddy's got this. It's gonna be a merry Christmas. I didn't get none of this stuff when I was a kid. No, my daddy got me a stick. Used to call me Stick Cannon. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Are those books in the Bible or more kid names? No, I can't afford the whole Lakers. Maybe one of them. I, I could probably purchase one Laker. All these damn gifts, y'all just don't want to go to college, huh? 12 PS5s? How about I give you a P2 half? I think I got carpal tunnel.
1: Ha, 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 get it? He's got a ton of kids with a bunch of different women, and so he's got to buy all these Christmas presents for them. Ha, ha, ha. Producer Danny, who is much more up on pop culture than I am, informs me it's not that Nick Cannon has upwards of 10 kids. Danny seems to think that he's got 11 going on 12 kids, whatever the number is. Nick Cannon, in a more serious interview, said, quote, being a father of multiple kids, it's always the biggest guilt on me is that I don't get to spend enough time with all my children. One, because I'm constantly working. And two, because I'm just spread thin. A lot of people knock Nick Cannon because he goes around and impregnates all of these women and isn't married to them and doesn't form a stable family and is very irresponsible. The reason I don't go after Nick Cannon as hard as some people do is I always think, at least he doesn't kill the kids. It's sad that that is the bar in our society. But our society murders 850,000 babies a year. So if you don't kill your kids, you are already starting at a higher place than that baseline in our culture. And I genuinely give Nick Cannon credit for that. Now, of course, we want to raise our standards a little bit. And the reason that Nick Cannon feels guilt is because he's doing something that is shameful. He is intentionally depriving children of a stable family, okay? You are supposed to have children within the context of marriage. Marriage is the lifelong union, the perpetual union of a man and a a woman, of a husband and a wife, for the good of the spouses and the sake of the generation and education of children. Lots of people, this doesn't totally work out or they make mistakes and they later come to repent it. And I get it. It's a very fallen world. People have blended families and all these sorts of things. But (laughs) repenting and trying to make the best of a bad situation in a fallen world is very different from intentionally creating the sort of chaotic and disordered circumstances uh, that, will, that will continue to spread in that fallen world. Okay, And Nick Cannon seems to be very much in the latter category. It's not just that Nick Cannon had a wild kind of early life, and now he's settling down with a family and trying to do right by the rest of his kids that he, he had wronged. It's the, he's still knocking up all of these different women, and he's telling jokes about it. And it reminds me of a line from Chesterton. Chesterton pointed out, that the problem of the modern world is not that it's too evil, but that it's too good. Except it's, it's good in a way, not where the virtues all work together to give you a flourishing society. It's good in the sense that people take one virtue and they just pursue that relentlessly and they ignore all of the other virtues. That the virtues have been separated and they're wandering around aimlessly and recklessly. So Nick Cannon, as I gave him credit at the top, He's not killing his kids. He recognizes that it's a good thing to have kids, and it is. A lot of elites in our society don't realize that. People like Bill Gates, people, especially Bill Gates, because he's obsessed with trying to reduce the number of kids that people have. People like our, our whole contraceptive mentality and our abortive mentality and the Looney Tunes at the World Economic Forum in the U.N., trying to push abortion and contraception and deal with overpopulation, that supposed problem it's, it's a it's a nonsense of course. Elon Musk points out rightly that the world actually has an underpopulation problem, but that's a topic for another time. So Nick Cannon gets it. he gets that it's good. be fruitful and multiply. Man is made in the image and likeness of God it is a good thing to have kids. but he has divorced that virtuous insight. From all the other virtues, which is, it's good to have families. Children have a right to their natural father and mother joined together in marriage. Children have a right to be conceived in the conjugal act within the context of marriage. Nick Cannon has has divorced the the, the good insight from all of the context surrounding it. So he he really ought to correct himself. We all really ought to correct ourselves as well, and we we can recognize the right, especially in this crazy world. I, I I'm reminded of a book by Alistair McIntyre. It's called After Virtue, where he describes our current moral situation as people in this post-nuclear kind of apocalyptic world. The whole civilization, all of human knowledge has been blown up, and they find kind of scraps of a science textbook you know one equation here, one little commentary on physics here. And from that, we've got to piece back together the whole of human scientific knowledge. That's where that's where we are right now when it comes to morality and ethics. Okay, Nick Cannon. It's right. Be fruitful and multiply. Well, what, what does that mean? Man is made in the image of likeness of God. Great. What does that mean? What does that mean for your family? It means stop going out and trying to find new babies, mama, and raise your raise your family and settle down and get married and within that context. Have more kids. It sounds great. When you want to be more virtuous, you got to check out Exodus 90. Right now, go to exodus90.com slash Men, stop doom scrolling. It is time to put that phone down. Stop doom scrolling. It's time to finally gain that higher quality of life that you know you're missing out on. If this sounds like something that you are interested in, then on January 9th, join thousands of men to embark on a 90-day journey together in search of a better life. Exodus 90 was built to help men enjoy the freedom of becoming who they were truly meant to be. Exodus 90 guides you in removing the attachments that are holding you back from a better life, and it actually works. Independent research shows that Exodus 90 men report considerable shifts after 90 days, including stronger satisfaction in their marriages, more meaningful prayer lives, and dramatic decreases in time spent on their phones. For the past seven years, Exodus has helped more than 60,000 men Build a roadmap for living with virtue in a culture that offers far too many opportunities for self-destruction. Is it time for your exodus? We all start January 9th. Find resources to prepare for exodus at exodus90.com slash That is exodus90.com slash Speaking of people who have lots of children, speaking, speaking of Elon Musk specifically, Elon Musk has been a whirlwind in the last couple of weeks. It's very hard to keep up with him. Last night, Elon Musk said that he might step down as CEO of Twitter. He would let the people decide. He said he would abide by the results of a poll should he remain at the head of Twitter. And the the poll said he should not remain at the head of Twitter, which is horrible. I wish Elon Musk would remain at the head of Twitter because he's done a very good job. But this popular appeal- follows a lot of other popular appeals that Elon Musk has made. Elon Musk, just a few nights ago when I was on the, the Tim Pool show out in the middle of the woods outside Washington, Elon Musk banned a bunch of liberal journalists, which I thought was awesome. Tim broke the news to me on the show. I said, this is great. I'm so happy. And then Elon reversed it and unbanned them. The journalists, quote-unquote journalists, they're just liberal activists, had been doxing Elon Musk, putting his family at risk, so he banned them. But then he said, okay, I'll abide by the results of the poll if you think I should unban them. They only have a seven-day suspension, but I'll, I'll unban them if you want me to. And then the people said, unban them. And then he unbanned them. He restored the accounts of CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan, New York Times tech reporter Ryan Mack, WAPO reporter Drew Harwell, Aaron Rupar, one of the worst of the worst, National's Matt Binder, Binder, he was also allowed back. And, and the principle that Elon has articulated during this whole thing is four words. Vox Populi, Vox Dei. The voice of the people is the voice of God. He's used that phrase specifically. Vox Populi Vox Dei. And it's a cute phrase and it's been used a lot, especially in the last 300 or so years. But the thing we got to remember is, it's not true. In fact, the earliest appearance of the phrase is from a deacon named Alcuin, who wrote this at the end of the 8th century, I think it was 798 or thereabouts, wrote it in a warning to Charlemagne and he said, you got to resist this idea. This is a terrible, dangerous idea. He said, those people should not be listened to who keep saying the voice of the people is the voice of God since the riotousness of the crowd is always very close to madness. Now, the problem is the, the phrase which was initially used to mock the idea that the voice of the people is the voice of God later on in the 14th century and especially after the early 18th century came to be used to affirm the principle that the voice of the people is the voice of God. We, even we conservatives in America, sometimes appeal to this idea when we're feeling particularly populist and democratic. But it is not true. More often than not, it is the opposite of true. Do you remember what the mob did to Socrates? It's Christmas time. Do you remember what the mob did to our Lord Jesus Christ? Remember, was that the voice of the people being the voice of God? Furthermore, when you recognize that God has two distinct wills, God's perfect will and God's permissive will, God's perfect will being what God really wants for all of us, and God's permissive will, within the context of human free will, turning bad things to good. This is when we say the fall of man, in a way, can be viewed as a good thing. It was bad in and of itself, but oh happy fault that won for us so great, so glorious a redeemer. Uh, God the Father allowing the uh, passion and crucifixion of his son, Jesus, bad thing in itself, so it certainly seems very bad and wicked and unjust and evil. Except that God has overcome the evil of this world; that the darkness has not overcome the light. And so, three days after the crucifixion, on the third day, Christ rises again, conquers death, and uh, now now we all celebrate at Easter. So, when you recognize that there's a difference between those two things, then the voice of the people can can advocate for very wicked things. Indeed, it's not a conservative idea to to say vox populi, vox dei. Elon Musk, though, as a kind of agent of chaos, allowed this principle. And then, when he reinstated the journalists, the journo's go into a Twitter chat, and they all start whining about Elon Musk. And then Elon Musk joins the Twitter chat and gives them a piece of his mind. As I'm sure everyone who's been doxing, uh would agree, you know, uh, showing real time uh, information. About somebody's location is uh, inappropriate and i think everyone on this call would not like that to be known to them and and there's not going to be any distinction in the future between journalists so called journalists and and regular people everyone's going to be treated the same you are not special because you're a journalist you're, you're just you're, you're a twitter you're just you a citizen um so uh no special treatment um you docs you docs you get suspended in a story you're not that special. Journos, I know this is the the worst phrase you've ever heard in your life because you believe. You work at CNN. You work at MSNBC. You tell yourself you are the fourth estate, the intrepid, courageous reporter speaking truth to power. They're not, of course. They are doing the bidding of power. The most powerful interests in the whole country are paying their bills. They say, we're so special. We're standing up. And Elon says, You're not special, but I have a blue check mark. And now everybody gets a blue check mark. No, I'm special. You can't ban me, Elon. Yes, I can. You dox me. You dox my family. I'm going to ban you. I wish he had banned them more. It was a good thing. My only complaint about the Elon Musk incident is that he did not ban them more. I'll be speaking on this more a little bit later today at TPUSA. I'm flying out to Phoenix right after my show uh, to America Fest. Very, very excited that I was able to, to make it to that. Uh, so, so we will not be having a member segment today. We've got a great member segment coming the rest of the week. But I had to fly out there, had to go celebrate some of the wins that we're getting right now, and had to make my plea before the people to say, no, we need Elon, we need Elon to ban more of the liberal journalists. It's actually a great thing. But the the liberal journos, the fence sitters, the the so-called moderates and centrists, and I don't think they're really all that moderate or centrist, they don't really get it. Barry Weiss, who who, who is a liberal, she's a liberal journalist, but because she has in any way uh, broken ranks with the far left, the conservatives all go gaga. They say, wow, she's one of us. I don't, I don't think she's one of us. I like some of her work, but I'm sure we all share very different premises about the world. And Barry Weiss lets that be known every once in a while. So Elon Musk gave the Twitter files to expose the corruption at Twitter under the, the previous ownership to Barry Weiss and, and the other journalist, Matt Taibbi, similar kind of cloth, you know, a li- liberal journalist who sometimes breaks ranks. But Barry Weiss went off on Elon about this. She said, the old regime at Twitter governed by its own whims and biases. And it sure looks like the new regime has the same problem. I oppose it in both cases. And I think those journalists who are reporting on a story of public importance should be reinstated. Nope. No, no, that isn't true. Though there are many people who would even call themselves conservatives who agree with Barry Weiss's point. But nevertheless, it's wrong. I, I had this debate on TimCast the other night. It was mostly a debate between me and Luke on the show. Luke representing much more the libertarian position. I was representing much more the conservative position. The libertarian position and the liberal Barry Weiss position is this. Anytime Anyone wields power within the public square to set standards and norms and to censor, I know we're not allowed to use the C word, to censor a certain speech, that is always equally bad no matter who's doing it, and we shouldn't tolerate it. Now, this is a utopian and preposterous position because we all agree that certain things should be banned from the public square. We all agree child pornography should be banned from the public square. We all agree, well, I think we all agree, that threats should be banned. Fraud should be, I think we all agree on that. All, none of that type of speech has, has ever been considered protected by the First Amendment. Obscenity, should obscenity be banned? I certainly think so. According to the laws on our books, obscenity should be banned. But in recent years, legal protections for the community against obscenity, have broken down because of activist judges. But I think that should be banned. We all agree certain things should be censored. How about the N-word? That's a good example of a taboo in our culture. Do we think that the N-word should be permitted and used all over social media? No one really thinks that, and, and it wouldn't be tolerated. Okay, now what about when we start getting into more controversial issues? What about, let's talk about uh, transgenderism. According to the old regime at Twitter, you were not allowed to call a man who thinks that he's a woman, a man. That could get you banned. That was called misgendering. If you referred to Richard Levine, who's the man who wears the skirt and he's the assistant health secretary because we're living in clown world. Uh, if, If you refer to him as Richard or he, that could have gotten you banned under the old Twitter regime. Now, Today if you dox Elon Musk and his family that could get you banned under the new Twitter regime. I guess as a matter of procedure there's a similarity because certain speech can get you banned. But that's where the similarities end, okay? Those are completely different uses of speech. And it is it is not the same thing to to say we will ban you for telling the truth and and Stating an important fact, namely that men who pretend to be women are actually men, versus we're going to ban you for endangering a man's life and behaving in it. And I would go further than that. I think there's plenty of speech that, that we can police and discourage. That has always been true. Yeah, politically, p- political correctness is a speech code. So is chivalry. So is being a gentleman, okay? It's not the same. Well, if we wield political power, why then we'll be the same as the liberals. No, we won't, because while there can be similarities with process and procedure, similarities in substance matter, too. I was having this debate on TimCast. If you, Michael, if you encourage good things and ban bad things, why then you're no different from the left, which, is, which encourages bad things and bans good things. No, good and bad are not the same. But, Michael, the leftists think that they're right. Right, but they're wrong. But how do you know what's right and wrong? Because we just do. That's what ultimately this debate on TimCast broke down to. Is I asked Luke. I said, Luke, you telling me we can't know the difference between good and bad, right and wrong? He says, No, we can. not It's just arbitrary. I said, Okay. Do you think, do you think it's better to bake a pie for a widow or to kick a baby in the head? And which is, and he said, Oh, well, I'm not answering. That's a ridiculous question. It's not a ridiculous question. It's a very simple, it's a hypothetical. It's not a hypothetical. I'm not asking him a hypothetical question, which relies on conditional statements. I'm asking him a question in the present, in the here and now. Is it better to bake a pie for a widow or to kick a baby in the head? We all know that it's better to kick the, no, I'm joking. We all know it's better to bake the pie for the widow. So if we all know that, then that means that we can come to certain conclusions about what is good and what is bad. And we can act on those conclusions. That's what self-government is. Speaking of good holy things, the holy days are here. They're officially here, everybody. Many of you are already Daily Wire Plus members. You get to enjoy the great content that we have released this year, such as What is a Woman, Terror on the Prairie, and The Greatest Lie Ever Sold. If you have not been able to enjoy it because you're not a member, then take advantage of our 30% holiday sale. This also applies to gift memberships, so do not miss this opportunity to get everyone on your list an annual gift membership from Daily Wire Plus with code HOLIDAY at checkout. Since joining Daily Wire Plus, Jordan Peterson has just ramped up his already busy schedule. We have been reaping the rewards. Earlier this year, Jordan and our production team went to D.C. to film a beautiful and engaging documentary on the Museum of the Bible called Logos and Literacy. In it, Jordan meets with historians, theologians, and philosophers to discuss the history of the Bible and its influence on the world. The only way you can watch it is if you were a Daily Wire Plus member. So sign up today. Use code HOLIDAY at checkout. Get 30% off your annual Daily Wire Plus membership at dailywire.com slash That is dailywire.com slash today. The liberals pretend to trust people. They pretend to believe in that slogan, Vox Populi, Vox Dei. But they do not actually trust people. You see this very clearly with what the House Dems are trying to do right now. They're trying to prevent Trump from running again. Dozens of House Democrats are lining up behind legislation put forward by Representative David Cicilline that would ban Donald Trump from running for president again. This bill will not work. It would get absolutely shredded in court, but it's instructive because it shows you how afraid the House Democrats are of Trump. Even still, even when they pretend, we don't care, Trump's a loser. I We hope he's on the ticket because he's going to get, you. well, they're clearly not all that confident because they're pa- trying to pass legislation that would bar him from ever appearing on a ballot. Why? Because they know that if the guy's on a ballot, there's a fair chance he becomes president again. So what they're trying to do is use Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to boot him from running again uh, because they, they're accusing Trump of orchestrating an insurrection on January 6th. John. January 6th, the very worst day in the history of, right, you know, it's because it was an insurrection. Except that none of the people involved in January 6th have been charged with inciting or participating in an insurrection. They've been charged with disorderly conduct. They've been charged with vandalism. No one has been charged with insurrection. Trump has not been convicted of Intercharged with, insurrection, none of it. It's all totally bogus. But this is having the opposite effect, I think, of what the House Dems were going for. It is, to me, making the strongest argument for Trump 2024. I think I have been more fair than pretty much any other conservative in public life when it comes to the 2024 presidential race. There are a lot of people who say, I will never veer from Donald Trump, do or die, ride or die. I am 100% with him. I will not consider any other candidates, period. There are a lot of people who say that. Though generally not so much in the media space. In the media space, what you're hearing from is pretty much every single conservative talking head saying I, that they're all in for Ron DeSantis, and you know, fair enough. Ron DeSantis has done a fabulous job as governor of Florida, but they they they're basically campaigning for Ron DeSantis already. And here I am, alone, crying out, saying, "Hey, everybody! The thing is, two years out. Hey, everybody! We don't actually need to pick a nominee two years out. There's something called a primary process. <laughs> you can kind of let that play out." Ron DeSantis even, hasn't even said he's running yet for president. Right, I've been I've been yelling this basically into the void. I've tried to be very, very fair. I love Donald Trump. He is the greatest president of my lifetime. I would happily vote for him again if he were the nominee. I like Ron DeSantis. I don't know him very well. I'm very impressed by what he's done in Florida. I would happily vote for Ron DeSantis. Assuming, assuming some terrible thing doesn't come out in the primary process, I would happily vote for Ron DeSantis if he were the nominee. I think there are plenty of other good candidates, actually, who maybe haven't even gotten into the race yet. And I would happily vote for many of them if they were the nominee. One of the best arguments, though, for Trump in particular, over all the other guys, is the libs, I think, still hate him the most. And I don't want to just base my whole political life over who the libs hate the most, but it is a pretty good rule of thumb. Okay, it is a pretty good Heuristic to be able to look out and say, okay, here's a gut check here. Who do the Libs consider to be the biggest threat? Who are they working the hardest to stop from taking office again? Maybe it's because that guy is actually challenging the system. Not perfectly, not with everything I want, but they seem to fear him the most. Okay, that's a good argument. Who knows? It might change. Maybe they'll start going after DeSantis more. Maybe they'll start going after some other guy more. But right now, It's one of the best arguments for Trump. Another good argument for Trump. He's still very popular. He is. And you don't want to believe it, but he is. I know there's some of you out there, not all, some of you do want to believe it. But there's some of you out there that say, we've had enough of Trump. Well, let's move on from Trump. I'm just telling you, he's still very popular. And the proof of this is what we were joking about at the end of last week. You remember, Trump said, I've got a huge announcement, major, major announcement." America needs a superhero. This is going to be huge. And then what's he announce? He announces that he's selling digital trading cards. So they're not even physical. They're digital trading cards with his face as a bunch of different superheroes. And in one, he's a football player. And one, he's an astronaut. Really, really weird. And I thought, Okay, this, this is funny. I'm, I am laughing about this. I, I wish it were tied to something a little more substantive, but okay. Well, I'm here to tell you, the trading cards sold out within hours. And you might say, Michael, how does a computer image sell out? Do the people know, instead of paying $100 for a digital image, do they know you can just right-click save image as, and then you have it on your, no, this is an NFT. What is an NFT? I don't even really know. I did sell one once though. And it's a a unique token though. They had a limited number of these. They only had 45,000 of these cards, pretty substantial number. They sold out almost immediately, 14,000 people bought up all of the cards. And this is the key. The people bought, you might just say, okay, 14,000 speculators went out and bought up an asset. And the price did initially drop after they bought them up. So they say, okay, there it is. This is worthless. But then the price went back up. And the price has actually only been really increasing since then, which means that not only the people, not only the public opinion polls, but the market still believes that Trump is a valuable asset, that Trump is a viable commodity. That is why Democrats are trying to kill his campaign in the cradle. Because even though they're putting out a lot of press and a lot of surveys and a lot of headlines, Trump's over, he's done, he's totally finished, he's going nowhere, they don't totally believe that. They realize that in politics where there's life, there's hope. And they realize, well, you know, certain public opinion polls telling me that Trump's popular. You know, he did win the presidency once already. The market telling me Trump actually he's not totally totally out, and so they're they're trying through corruption to destroy his campaign. Now speaking of Democrat corruption, the White House will not answer uh, basic questions about their own corruption and their ties to very corrupt people like Sam Bankman-Fried, who ran the FTX scam, who was the second biggest donor to Democrats in 2022. Kareem Jean-Pierre was just asked by Zeke Miller. White House reporter, hey, is Biden going to give back all that money that he got from that fraudster over there? Here's the answer from the White House.
0: Absolutely, that the, news about
2: the uh, former FTX Bank of Freedom the rest of the Bahamas. Um, the president
1: received campaign donations, uh, campaign donation for him. Many prominent Democrats did, some Republicans did as well. But will the president return that donation? Or does he call on all politicians who got uh, campaign donations that may have come from customer money uh, to return those funds?
0: So look, I'm covered here by the Hatch Act, uh, limited on what I can say. And anything that's connected to political contributions uh, from here, I, I, I would have to refer you to the DNC. I'm, I'm asking the
1: president's opinion, though. Uh, you know, does he want those people who...
0: No, you asked me two questions. You asked me about will he return the donations and then you ask me about his opinion i'm answering the first part which is I'm covered by the Hatch Act from here. I am limited to what I can say, and I just can't talk to political contributions or anything related to that. I cannot speak about it from here. And then
2: his opinion, though.
0: I, I just just cannot speak to this uh, from here. Even his opinion, even his thoughts about uh, the contributions, donations. I cannot speak from it from about that from here. And then are you covered by the Hatch Act. <laughs> I am covered by the Hatch Act, which I'm happy to say over and over again because we believe in the rule of law here.
1: So her answer is totally bogus. The Hatch Act exists to to root out political corruption and and stop people who have government offices from using those government offices to conduct campaign work, to extort money out of people, to trade government positions for money, to trade favors. That's what it's for. It has absolutely nothing to do with the White House press secretary not being able to speak on a major matter of campaign finance. It's totally bogus. Zeke Miller, the reporter there, understands it's totally bogus. Zeke was actually a friend of mine. He's a friend of mine from college. And uh, he's, he's a really good reporter. And he's not He's not a right-wing conservative by any stretch of the imagination, and he's not a total far-left liberal. He's just a good reporter, and you hear him just dogging her on this. He says, what, the Hatch Act, that's your answer? Um, you sure? That's your story and you're sticking to it? Yes, we're covered by the we don't, We're not saying a word about how the second-largest donor to the Democrats last cycle is maybe the biggest financial scammer in American history. Nope, nope, can't talk about that sorry, nothing to see here. Move along, move along, move along. Conservatives should be dogged about this. We should keep trailing them on this. This should become a big issue. Tie them up in court. Tie them up in the press if we can. Uh, Don't don't let this go. Uh, Allow the example of Gibson's Bakery over in Oberlin to inspire you. Took six years for justice to be done. Everyone thought the deck is so stacked against this bakery, the university, this college rather, thought there's no way we've got billions of dollars. We're just going to be able to squash this little, little family shop. That's not what happens. If you just fight back, if you just remain persistent, if when you get little bits of political power, you wield that political power, we can take back a lot of our country, take back a lot of our culture and beat the libs. Now, I got to go catch this flight to Phoenix. You can catch me over there later today at TPUSA. So no member block today. It kills me. I know that's part of my favorite, probably my favorite time of the whole day. Uh, Definitely up there. It's when I see my sweet little kids, kiss them goodnight, spend time with my family. And then when I spend time with you on the member block. So join, become a Daily Wire Plus member. We will see you tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show.